David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 10.53 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is October the 4th of 2019. This is episode 146 of Bitcoin and it's late. Yeah, I know it's late. I had parent-teacher conferences this morning. Uh, good news is my kid's doing all right. He's fine. He's not like I, I would, you know, every I imagine that many parents go into these meetings going, oh, God, oh, God, what what the hell? You know, it's like, what? how close to the edge are we? So, yeah, man, boy's doing good. Not, you know, not bad. I'm really proud of the little guy. OK, now let's get something out of the way real quick. I am number 1,800 in Hive One's uh, uh, hierarchy of uh, Bitcoiners. I'm I'm low on the totem pole, man. You got to help me get higher. I don't know how, but one one point eight thousand. I mean, come on, man. Eighteen hundred number eight. That's like coming in. That's like coming in last. Or, or worse, not even making it to the damn stadium to compete. So however you can, if you can give me some help, help me out. You know, I don't know, give me a five-star rating on iTunes, uh, tweet the living crap out of my stuff. I, I don't know, put my name in a tweet with a hashtag Bitcoin and only that. I, I have a feeling that I'm getting a low Bitcoin rating because as I set this show up, I'm, you know, using Twitter to, to organize the show. So I tweet about things other than Bitcoin and it's really harsh in my vibe, bros. So like I said, if you can help a brother out, help a brother out. Okay. Now that's over. Um, it's come to my, and everybody else's attention that some people have completely lost their shit, have come completely mentally unglued over at least one, I've seen two, but at least this one video where a woman at what AOC, it's, you know, what her, you know, the Senator rep or whatever for Brooklyn or New York, or I can't remember. She's somewhere from New York city, but AOC, right. Court Ocasio Cortez or whatever, occasionally cortex. I don't know what you want to call it, but she was at a town hall meeting and a woman stood up and started going off about how we need to start eating babies. Now, if you've been under a rock, you hadn't seen this. Yes, a woman stood up, started screaming about climate change and how we have not 12 years. We've got like, you know, 12 months or like six or something. And that the only way that we can combat this is to start eating babies. Now, when I first saw this, I thought it was a troll. And and I still, I actually, I don't know if it's not a troll. I am still of the opinion that there's not a person in the, on this planet that would seriously consider this. But her animated tone, her like, I don't know. It was like, she's either, if she's not an actress or actor or whatever, um, the, then, and she really does believe this, then she's freaking crazy. Now I saw a second video. It was a man on the street video. And this person walked up to this man who was wearing a shirt saying like combat climate change, eat babies. And he's handing out, I don't know, flyers. He's got a clipboard. He's trying to tell people the numbers of climate change and how we're all going to die, you know, because climate change is going to kill us all apparently. Um, and he, she, the person, I can't remember if it was a female or male, doesn't really matter, approached this person, asked if that was serious. And this guy, if not an actor, then, oh my God, he has completely lost his freaking mind. Now, a long time ago, there was a, there's a, um, an a, a author of many classic Victorian novels named Jonathan Swift. In 1729, he wrote an essay called A Modest Proposal. Sorry, A Modest Proposal. 
it freaked the living shit out of the world. Okay. Why? Well, at the time, you know, Ireland, the UK, you know, London, they all had a problem with homeless children or orphans, uh, street urchins, as some people will call them. But there was a lot of orphan children. Why? I don't know, man. It's just it's part of history that's just really sad and disgusting. But of course, Jonathan, Jonathan Swift wrote this essay called A Mod- Modest Proposal because everybody's trying, you know, freaking out, trying to figure out what to do. So let me just read you a few lines from this modest proposal. I have already computed the charge of nursing a beggar's child to be about two shillings per year, rags included, and I believe no gentleman would repine to give ten shillings for the carcass of a good fat child, which, as I have said, will make four dishes of excellent nutritive meat, when he hath only some particular friend or his own family to dine with him. Thus the squire will learn to be a good landlord and grow popular among his tenants. The mother will have eight shillings neat profit and be fit for work till she produces another child. Those who are more thrifty may flay the carcass, the skin of which, artificially dressed, will make admirable gloves for ladies and summer boots for fine gentlemen. As to our city of Dublin, shambles may be appointed for this purpose in the most convenient parts of it, and butchers may be assured will not be wanting. Although I rather recommend buying the children alive and dressing them hot from the knife as we do roasting pigs. Kind of makes the hackles on your neck stand up, don't it? Again, 1729. This was a long time ago, guys. Well over 250 years that Jonathan Swift penned this essay. And it's a long read, man. And it is all about, it's almost like an instruction. It reads kind of like an instruction manual of how to do this. And what's spoke, what's talked, the tone of this entire essay is that it is a foregone conclusion that we must do this. We are already into the advanced planning stages of exactly how to go fricking about it. Jonathan Swift did not write an instruction manual. This was a criticism of the people who were freaking out about what to do with all these street urchins. And this was, you know, as an author, his way to fight back against ultra stupid bullshit was to write an essay. And it caught a lot of traction. It caught a lot of attention. But remember... Now, they weren't worried about climate change at the time. They were worried about, over, you know, population of street urchins walking around, pickpockets, you know, who are we going to do with all these kids? We can't feed them. You know, orphanages were overrun. It was a huge problem. So he's like, well, why don't we just eat the babies? Now, this brings me to a point. I still have no idea whether or not these people actually mean what they say. It's very difficult in today's age to be able to discern absolute depraved stupidity from people who are trying to make a social statement or, like Jonathan Swift in his day, the modern-day version of a criticism. I, I want to believe, I really wholeheartedly want to believe that these people are making or are, are trolling a criticism, is what I'm, I, I am begging God that that's what this is, that there's no human being on the world, you know, or in any country, in any corner of the world that you can go, that would actually think that this is the way to go. So I'm not sure what's going on, but people are losing their shit over it. Don't be a part of it, okay? Just remember that even back in 1729, when there was a problem, there were fine gentlemen like Jonathan Swift who had ways to combat this kind of idiocy. Strive to be that type of fine woman or gentleman. Okay, now that's over, so we're getting into community stuff. Roger K. Ver has unfollowed at Bitcoin. Sad. Obviously, that's how Big Blockers always announces an unfollow with the last word, sad. But apparently it is true. Roger K. Ver has finally, after all this time, unfollowed at Bitcoin. The Twitter account is what I'm talking about. Um, there's a lot of criticism about that at Bitcoin uh, account. I agree that it should be retired, locked away, and the key 
lost in a tragic boating accident, like all our keys are lost, so that nobody can ever get a hold of that thing ever again, because it's dangerous no matter who has it or what their intentions are. But anyway, so Roger Caver has, if we can believe big block or at big underscore blockers, big blockers, if we can believe the veracity of what they're saying, then that's just a sad breakup. Although remember, it, it is also being said on the street that big blockers has made mistakes in the past, or maybe it was a... Maybe he accidentally unfollowed it and then followed it right back again. But big blockers usually will tell you who, who has followed somebody and who hasn't or, ha- or, or and who has unfollowed people. So grain of salt, guys. Um, okay. Vitalik. <laughs> uh, Vitalik is writing October the 2nd in a tweet. Example in the crypto space, Bitcoin prints over $100 million into the hands of miners weekly, whereas printing $100 million even once into the hands of developers would greatly accelerate dev. Why not do this? Certainly reasons much more subtle than an extra $100 million printed causing hyperinflation. Okay, why is this kind of important? Because in my opinion, and it is only one man's opinion, that their scam coin is dying and they're having to consider buying off developers. This is just a company who realized they have no real R&D team, but doesn't yet realize they have already passed the event horizon. I got into a fight last night with somebody that actually suggested that Ethereum had six times the amount of developers as Bitcoin, and we all know that that's bullshit. There may be developers on ICO chains, or, or rather um, shitcoin chains, that spun off out of Ethereum, but they're not working on Ethereum. No, no, no. They're working on their own shitcoin. The, the Ethereum crew is, and we'll get into, there's a story later that makes it even more obvious about how much bullshit this is. They don't have a research and development team, not in, not in anywhere close to the same league as what Bitcoin has. It's just the fact So all the people that say that there's six times the amount of developers, just remember that they're full of shit and arithmetic is hard. Apparently these guys can't count. Okay. This one from this, this is all from the community Uh, at Anders underscore is writing something that, that, that provoked thought in me because I sad to say, I never thought about it this way. Even after listening to a hundred million Bitcoin or a hundred million dollar, I can't remember the guy that does the stock to flow uh, model. That dude is tremendous. It's like a hundred trillion or a hundred million. I can't remember exactly what his Twitter handle is, and I'm 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 ashamed because of that. But uh, the stock to flow model is awesome. And even after becoming exposed to that, I never thought about Bitcoin's inflation in this particular way. So his, there's two tweets. One is a poll. And the first, and and then there's, and then he writes one that is a response uh, or a reply to that poll. He says, "Which, uh, sorry, with each and every single block between the halvings, does Bitcoin's inflation rate stay the same, increase, decrease, or not sure?" I said decrease, and he writes and he said or replies back to the poll and says the correct answer is that the inflation rate goes down with each and every single block because the same issuance is divided by a slightly higher stock. That's where that stock to flow comes out. Bitcoin's inflation rate drops every 10 minutes on average. This is, in my opinion, this is a great way to think about it. I stumbled into decrease. You know, it's like, I'm like, oh, I don't know. You always pick you know, always pick C on a multiple, you know, multiple choice exam, right? But his answer, when he says the correct answer is the inflation rate goes down with every block because the same issuance is divided by a slightly higher stock. I was, I, it really threw me for a loop, but it took a, a few seconds for it to congeal in my head. And I, I think he's absolutely correct. Um, he, there's a Hodel warrior writes him back and says, yes, the inflation rate relative to circulating supply does or goes down with each block. However, the inflation amount currently 12.5 BTC remains constant between halvings. 
Now that's what, that's sort of how I would be thinking about things, especially like a couple of years ago when it's like, oh, well, it's like every 10 minutes, there's this many more printed and it, that's just how it works. Andrews writes back and says, the inflation rate is per definition relative to circulating supply. So that kind of locks it in for me. I agree. What do you guys think? Agree, disagree. I, but either way, whether, whether you agree with it or not, it's definitely a more, it, it if, you know, if 100% true, if everybody said, well, of course, then it certainly puts a lot more nuance into this whole inflation thing than a simple 12.5 Bitcoins being minted every 10 minutes. All right, last one for the community roundup is uh, a tweet thread by our friend at Lex underscore node, who is a lawyer, or his bio says he's a lawyer, so clearly he's a lawyer. Nah, I'm just kidding. I don't know. Anybody can put anything in their bio. It doesn't make it true. I have no reason to not believe this guy because he seems to know what he's talking about. And we're going to go through this. But if we were to believe everything that's in everybody's bio, then we would understand that Peter McCormick is indeed a rafflecopter. Okay, let's let's start this one. Okay, the context is he's talking about um, that whole SEC slap on the wrist of $24 million in fines to block one. That's what he's talking about. Now, we were all like going, oh my God, $24 million after they raised 4.2. It gets worse. It gets a lot worse because there's something in... There's something in this whole thing that had not been widely reported on. And that's why I'm telling you, that's why I'm hoping LexNode doesn't just bitch slap me for reading his tweet out loud. But I mean, if you haven't seen it, it's important. Let's start. I hadn't got around to reading Cooley's bad actor waiver request for block one until just now really highlights that we've already, we're already too big to fail line because of block one's extensive investments. For those who may not be hep to the bad actor disqualification, basically, if you get in securities law trouble, you become a, quote, bad actor. And that means you are no longer entitled to rely on the incredibly useful private placement exemptions under Regulation D. Not only that, but any issuer who accepts an investment from a bad actor also cannot rely on Regulation D for that securities transaction. One of Block One's arguments was basically, we're already part of many VC funds and plan to function as an incubator for EOS. Us being a bad actor would wreck them and us, so please waive the bad actor result. And the Securities and Exchange Commission did. To me, this is the really shocking aspect of the settlement given that the EOS sale, some people involved are notorious serial ICOers who launch systems that have lost people millions or perhaps even billions of dollars on projects while enriching themselves. But on the other hand, Block One has clearly grown far beyond those individuals, has a huge legal staff, already has many people depending on it, and is working to grow an ecosystem. It's also surprising to me that Block One highlighted these efforts to grow EOS, whereas one would think these facts would go towards, quote, efforts of others, end quote. And that's part of the Howey test. <clears throat> Regard or EOS tokens still potentially being a security. It's really hard to draw any general conclusions from this. Other than that, the SEC will be lenient on a project if they feel like it's sufficiently lawyered up, already too big to fail-ish, and they will have ongoing continuous visibility into its compliance efforts. Personally, especially given how arguably shady and useless EOS is and the serial ICOing of many individuals involved, I truly feel this was one of the projects most deserving of getting slapped down hard with permanent bad actor status. I can't lie, this result has really soured me on being an attorney in the blockchain space and on the notion of, quote, rule of law in general. In my opinion, the SEC really messed up here, not so much for the small fine, but for not stopping the ICO earlier and then allowing a situation where so many people depend on Block 1, the staff probably felt like they couldn't morally crush Block 1's entire business model. This settlement is the biggest possible gift to consensus. 
Block One, A16Z, and other venture operators in the space who I feel have outsized an inappropriate influence over everything. I love the tech and the developers, but see re-territorialization and incestuous deal-making with little regulatory understanding or oversight and little fairness as becoming the norm in the blockchain industry, tacitly blessed by the SEC because they dropped the ball on ICOs early and are now overwhelmed with the resulting mess. No shit. If you're in, this is a TLDR. If you're into blockchain, try to invest in or work for consensus A16Z, Block One, and similar blockchain venture incubators. They've won the day and will make a lot of people very wealthy, and projects will find it hard to gain success without their regulatory in. So I'm going to end it there. He goes on to say some other things, but the, that's the most important part is that they were given a bad actor uh, status or that was going to happen. And the SEC, when they came begging, said, oh, yeah, we'll pay you $24 million, which is nothing compared to 4.2. But they were also going to end up with bad actor status, which which would have disqualified them from a whole host of neat, apparently neat shit. And anybody they transact with, because they had been labeled bad actor, would also not be able to take part of some really cool regulations. You know, you can read that as probably massive loopholes. In either event, what this means is that we're going to be dealing with shit coins, I don't know, for a lot longer than we think. So strap in, ladies and gentlemen. That's it for community stuff. Let's get into the news. The United States states state of Ohio suspends service for paying taxes with Bitcoin. Uh, that was this morning or yesterday. This is Joeri Kant writing for Coin Telegraph. Ohio Treasurer Robert Sprague announced the immediate suspension of the OhioCrypto.com website that allows businesses to pay taxes with Bitcoin. In an October 2nd press release, Sprague announced that according to an internal review, approval by the Board of Deposit was required before Ohio launched the website that allowed businesses to pay taxes with digital currencies. Furthermore, the State Board of Deposit has asked Attorney General Dave Yost to further research the legalities of how the crypto portal was set up and whether BitPay, uh, the third-party processor that powered the service, constituted a financial transaction device. If so, the firm should have been selected under a competitive selection process codified in state law. Sprague said, Quote, it is vital that Ohio explores innovative new technologies and processes that continue to drive Ohio into the future. However, we must make sure that any new processes that are implemented, such as OhioCrypto.com, are established in accordance with Ohio law. End quote. The website has since been taken down and redirects users to the Treasury's main site. Sprague stated, quote, as Ohio treasurer, it's my job to provide trusted stewardship and protection of Ohio's tax dollars and to follow the laws of this state. Until a formal opinion is issued by the Attorney General, I feel it is prudent to suspend the, suspend the website, end quote. Sprague explained that in the next 10 months, or I'm sorry, Sprague explained that in the 10 months since the website was launched, less than 10 businesses have paid their taxes using Bitcoin. The program was launched in November 20, 2018 under the purview of previous Ohio Treasurer Josh Mandel, who told reporters at the time that the program was planting a flag for the state in terms of national cryptocurrency adoption, adding that he does not see Bitcoin as a, as a legitimate form of currency. Cointelegraph previously reported that the County Auditors Association of Ohio announced the formation of a working group to explore the benefits of blockchain in terms of real estate, real estate transactions and the transference of land titles across multiple counties. Ohio further planned to invest more than $300 million in blockchain startups through 2021, namely to startups developing blockchain applications for local businesses, government welfare projects, and others. Okay, so it's not because nobody was using it. And I, I get that 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 could be a problem, but here, like here, it is in, in a nutshell. It's not that only ten people in ten months paid their their taxes in in Bitcoin. It's because, according to this guy, they did not go through the proper vet, not vetting process, but the proper process in general to select a vendor. They just announced that it was going to be BitPay. Well, the way that states work, it's a little different. You got to have a competitive bidding process. You've got to vet the companies. You've got to get them into your system where they can actually be paid as a state. Or at least this is the way it works in Texas. I can't imagine it not working the same in a lot of other states, but 
in Texas, I can't like, if I'm like, if when I was working for Texas tech, I couldn't just order something from a company. If that company was not part of what, or was not a registered vendor for the state of Texas already, then to buy from them, I would have to get them to complete that task. I had to do it once where I was like, look, I really want your product, but I can't buy it. And I want to buy it for 25, you know, computer seats. It was a, a computer program. And unless you do this, I, I can't do business with you. They did. They got approved and I was able to do it. But after talking to them, they were like, man, that was a bitch. And of course it's a bitch, but whatever. So it's not because it wasn't used. It was because the previous treasurer did not follow or jump through the, the correct hoops in the correct order to actually get BitPay, which is a shitty Bitcoin company, probably one of the shittiest on earth to be their vendor. They, they didn't do the proper paperwork. So there's that. Okay, let's get to this one. U.S. lawmakers are scared as shit. Oh, I'm sorry. U.S. lawmakers ask Fed to consider developing national digital currency. This is Coindesk's Nicholas Day writing October the 2nd. Two U.S. lawmakers want the Federal Reserve to consider creating a digital dollar. Well, it's already digital. It just happens to have a really huge inflation rate. In a letter sent to Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell, Representative French Hill and Rep. Bill Foster uh, outlined concerns that they have that they have about risk to the United States dollar if another country or private company creates a widely used cryptocurrency and ask whether the central bank is looking into creating its own version. First reported by Bloomberg Law, the letter details how the Fed has the right to create and manage U.S. current policy. Uh, currency policy. Quote, the Federal Reserve, as the central bank of the United States, has the ability and the natural role to develop a national digital currency, end quote, the congressman wrote, adding, quote, we are concerned that the primacy of the United States dollar could be in long-term jeopardy from wide adoption of digital fiat currencies. Internationally, the Bank of International for International Settlements conducted a study that found that over 40 countries around the world have currently developed or are looking into developing a digital currency, end quote. Indeed, there may have there have been some calls from the for the global financial system to move away from the dollar. Most notably, Bank of England Governor Mark Carney suggested that a digital currency backed by a basket of other financial instruments might help ma nations make this shift. In Monday's letter, Foster and Hill wrote that cryptocurrencies are currently used for speculative purposes in the U.S., but their use may increasingly align with that of paper money in the future. Stablecoin. The United States should not rely on private companies to develop digital currencies, they wrote. The letter specifically mentions the Facebook-led Libra stablecoin. Quote, the Facebook Libra proposal, if implemented, could remove important aspects of financial governance outside of U.S. jurisdiction, end quote, the congressman wrote. The letter goes on to mention recent cryptocurrency efforts by J.P. Morgan and Wells Fargo. The letter asks a number of questions, including whether the Fed is currently looking into developing a digital currency, whether there are any contingency plans if digital fiat currencies gain traction, what legal, regulatory, and national security issues might prevent the Fed from developing a digital currency, what what market risks, risks or other issues might result from a Fed cryptocurrency and what benefits there might be to the project. Hill and Foster are not the only individuals to suggest the Fed might benefit from creating its own shitcoin. Last year, former Depo Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation Chair Sheila Baer also recommended the Fed look into creating a digital currency as a way of avoiding being disrupted by the private sector or another nation. The Federal Reserve is also looking to create a real-time payment system, though it's unclear whether there will be a cryptocurrency-like aspect to it. No, there won't. In the letter, the congressman suggests that it might even be an urgent matter for the Fed, writing, quote, with the potential for digital currencies to further take on the characteristics and utility of paper money, it may become increasingly imperative that the Federal Reserve take up the project of developing a United States dollar digital currency. A message left with the Federal Reserve's press office was not immediately returned. Of course not, because they're all hiding under their desks because they know they screwed up by not getting their shit together a lot faster. And now it's too freaking late. It's too late. It's too late. It's too late. Why? Well, one reason is because there's this woman who's a beautician and apparently got a 9 million following, 9 million person following on YouTube, giving tips on how to apply mascara and other things which is fine. I have no problem with that, but she's really good at it. Her name is Michelle Fawn, P-H-A-N, Michelle Fawn, 
some people would say fan. I, she pronounces it fawn. So I'm going to pronounce it fawn. Thank you for telling me how to pronounce your last name. Um, this was, uh, brought to my attention by at Rogers research. Love that guy. If you're not following at Rogers research, do yourself a favor and, and, and get to it. But, uh, there's a, there is a YouTube, um, let's see if I can bring it up here. I don't want to play it. I just want to read this thing. Um, she was on, uh, it's not going to say what, what the, uh, uh, podcast name is. Off the pill, I think. I think it's off the pill. Yeah, off the pill. Um, they had her on and she was discussing Bitcoin. And the way she was raving about it, she was like, I'm not into anything else. Bitcoin's the only one. And she kept saying it over and over and over again, how important Bitcoin was. Not Bcash, not BSV, not Bitcoin Rhodium, you know, or or God knows B Private or any of the other shit coins with, with the word Bitcoin in it, just because you put Bitcoin in the name of your shit coin does not make it not a shit coin. It's still a shit coin. So 9 million followers and she disappeared. She literally just, you know, said, you know what? I'm just going to stop doing my YouTube channel, left 9 million people hanging. And apparently her first foray back to YouTube was via this podcast so I don't know what her plan is, but I'll tell you this, having 9 million ears automatically hear the word Bitcoin from somebody that they've trusted and have probably missed because, you know, your favorite YouTuber goes away. Um, you know, even if, if just for a little while, you're glad when they come back because it's like, you know, a trusted, not a trusted, like a, a, a voice you're used to. You know, it's like after a while you get used to hearing somebody's voice and it's kind of, I don't know, sometimes it kind of gets cozy and you lose that. And all of a sudden you're like, I don't kind of left wanting. So if she comes back, she's going to have 9 million people eating out of the palm of her hand and she's talking about Bitcoin. So there's that. Now the, here's the hard part to, to stomach. What if she gets bought like fam, our good friend, uh, Kevlar fam. He was a diehard Bitcoiner too. And then he got bought. We all know it. We all know it. He got bought first by Roger and then by Calvin or Craig. More likely Calvin's the guy writing the check. I don't think Craig's got a penny to his damn name. He's got a shit ton of red socks apparently, but not a penny to his name, or at least not not enough to buy off somebody like this woman. Um, Kevin probably went pretty cheap, but he's not the only one. The the point that I'm trying to make is that human nature doesn't always tend towards the ethical or the moral. So most of us, I really think we try, but you know, you catch us at a bad time in our life, wave a few bricks of cash in our faces, and all of a sudden we're like, you know, going fetal and trying to figure out any way that we can not to feel absolutely terrible by taking money from somebody who is absolutely terrible. Be aware that this could happen to her. Okay. So we can be happy about it for now, but just be careful, people be careful. Remember what happened to at Bitcoin for like 12 months or 10, however long it was. And now they swung the other way. Again, one of the reasons why I want the at Bitcoin account to be, you know, I would just love it if somebody, uh, made it inactive and I don't know, changed the pass the password and just somehow or another forgot the password to do the ethical thing. Is that going to happen? Probably not because of human nature, but there it is. So that's good news. It's just, you know, we should be like, you know, not like jumping up and down because God knows what can happen in the future. Like this guy, Chief Executive Officer of Bexy disappears as the exchange struggles to remain solvent. Anton Lucian's writing for uh, BeInCrypto.com. This is actually the first time I've seen this publication. <clears throat> he writes yesterday that ever since Bexy's launch in June of this year, it has struggled with persistent issues from hacks to internal mismanagement. It now appears that the exchange is on its last leg with the CEO going dark. B and Crypto reported in August of a major exploit on Bexy, which resulted in an artificial 40% crash 
on the XRP slash BTC trading pair. The hacker got away with about 43.6 Bitcoin and 111,000 Ripple coin. By all accounts, it seemed to be caused by incompetence and negligence as the exchange failed to properly install the wallet as per RippleCoin's own instructions. Bexy was the only exchange <laughs> affected by this exploit. Excuse me. <clears throat> it's been raining for four days here. God only knows what's blown in on, on the various winds. Continuing, however, the controversy didn't stop there. A week later, it started to become clear that the exploit likely left Bexy insolvent. The attacker was able to make 35 withdrawals in total. As investigative crypto journalist John Galt writes in his piece, Bexy, or Bexy hyphen incompetent, in denial or insolvent. The exchange's cold wallets have plummeted in their holdings since. Well, of course, you want to get... <laughs> Want to get the hell out, man. However, it seems that the plot is thickening now with rumors circulating regarding the CEO's disappearance. If true, remember, this, we don't know, but if true, this may officially mark the end of the short lived exchange. In smaller chat rooms, rumors have been spreading of Bexy CEO Artok Hamazaspian. Hamaspian. Hamaspian. I'm going to go with Hamaspian. In smaller chat rooms, rumors have been spreading of Bexy CEO at Artek Hernandez. Yeah, see, I, I suck at this. I suck at last names from people from other countries. I'm sorry, guys. I don't mean to do it, but I'm just going to go Mr. Z. Rumors have been spreading of Bexy CEO Mr. Z's disappearing. The CEO has not tweeted anything since since September the 14th. Thus far, there has been no response. Because somebody had tweeted, are you alive? And there's no response to that yet from the, uh, of that tweet. Some have even gone as far as to say that he dumped his tokens and left in what can effectively be called an exit scam. The story is still developing, but Mr. Z would be smart to rear his head and comment on his, his alleged disappearance, given that Bexy is in serious peril. <laughs> Monty Python reference. I love that word. This has all the markings of yet another exchange shutting down due to insolvency. If true, we could see Bexy close its doors in the not so distant future. Of course, Bexy's own exchange token, BXY, has also crashed as a result. Currently, BXY is down some 50% in just a week's time. Volume has plummeted to an anemic $22,000 at the time of writing. Keep in mind, in total, the exchange has just $39,011 in volume, or roughly around 4.72 BTC. As uh, Charles... Uh, sorry, excuse me. As Charles writes on Twitter, he managed to turn 20K into 3K as a result of Bexy. The tweet intended as a joke has no follow-up. Charles, here's the tweet. It says, at Charles the ETH, how I turned 20K into 3K with Bexy, a thread, one out of 43. <laughs> and that's it. There's no thread. It's literally just that. It was a joke, but it's not a joke that if he did lose $17,000 and much like, most likely more at this point, then it's, it's sad. Bexy made a name of itself on crypto Twitter due to the exchange's referral program, which is still being shilled online, but less frequently now due to the drama. Once seen as a possible competitor to Binance amid the United States ban, it seems that we can finally put that possibility to rest. So there you go, man. It, not your keys, not your Bitcoin. Keep your shit off of exchanges because this is going to happen more and more and more and more and more and more. You got to be in this for the long haul, man, because, it, well, just because. If you're not in it for the long haul, then I don't think if I was in it for if I was in it for just the short term, then I would clearly not understand Bitcoin. And even though I don't understand everything about Bitcoin, I understand enough to know this is not get rich quick. This is you got to weather it out through the long, cold winters and dark storms and crappy seas and all the bullshit to get to the other side of this thing. We will. I just don't know. I don't, I, hopefully I'll survive. Hopefully I'll be, you know, live long enough to see the other side. In either event, oh God, Marie Juliet's writing for Cointelegraph. This was uh, sometime yesterday. Pantera Capital leads $5 million seed round of decentralized derivative startup. That's not so bad. Okay. I don't know why I'm, I'm freaking out about this. Let's read on. Pantera Capital has led a 5 million strategic seed round of decentralized derivatives protocol Vega. According to an announcement published on October the 3rd, the round included participants such as Ripple's. Oh, God, that's why. 
<laughs> First in the list, Ripple's investment arm XSpring hashed NGC Ventures, Gummy Cryptos Capital, Rockaway Blockchain, KR1, Eden Block, Focus Labs, Greenfield One, Monday Capital, RSK Ecosystem Fund, and a group of unnamed private investors. So, you know what? I'm not even going to, I'm not going to get into the details of this because the second that Ripple enters that list, that's when I'm really sad because I liked Pantera Capital. And I'm, I, I'm not going to just automatically hate on them for this, but why, for the love of God, would you even come close to putting yourself in the cesspool that is XRP? Or as I like to say it, hobo coin, because Ripple's a hobo wine. Why you would name your shit after a hobo wine is completely beyond my understanding. But hey, whatever. You could have just named it Mad Dog 2020 coin. Why not? But I'm kind of sad that Pantera Capital has allowed themselves to dive this deep into shit coinery. I really am. It's a damn shame. They've been kind of good, even though they've always been into shit coins. But this, man, just it's, oh, God. Um, let's see here. What do we got? Hold on. Hold on. Oh, yeah. Helen Parts is writing for Cointelegraph sometime this morning. Consensus fully acquires Ethereum infrastructure provider Infura. <laughs> yeah, I tweeted it out. Centralize all the small things because, dude, yeah, decentralization, my ass. Ethereum Venture Production Studio Consensus has announced that it has fully acquired Infura, a blockchain infrastructure provider that the firm previously backed. According to the blog post published on October the 4th, Infura will continue its operations as a wholly owned business unit within the studio. Infura also noted that Consensus founder Joseph Lubin was one of the startup's early investors. Infura is providing Ethereum infrastructure for building decentralized applications, allowing developers to deploy their solutions without hosting their own full node because nobody can host their own full node. It's impossible. I can't remember the dude's name. He's got a, a running blog about how much failure is going on to, to set one of these things up. You have to go through Infura. Now Infura is owned by consensus. So if you think there's anything decentralized about this, I got bridges all over the world to sell you, man. So let's start with the Brooklyn Bridge. God, for God's sakes. In July 2019, the firm launched Infura Plus and introduced three new subscription tiers. Good God. In March 2019, digital asset research company Delphi Digital published a report pointing to the alleged centralization of the startup. The report argued that by using Infura, developers rely on the infrastructure entirely operated by consensus and hosted by Amazon Web Services, which creates a single point of failure that decentralization is designed to avoid. In late September, Consensus launched the Impactio uh, platform to bring transparency into philanthropy and partnership with the World Wildlife Fund. I don't know why they put little bits like that. There's nothing about that that makes the rest of this dumpster fire any less dumpster fire-ish, right? So anyway, guys, that's it for any any hope that Ethereum was actually decentralized just went, took a plunge onto the pavement off of a hundred story building. It just decided to throw a chair through the window, get a running start, say, fuck you, leap out of it and just splat. It's over. There's no decentralization in Ethereum. There's never going to be decentralization in Ethereum. And if you think that there is, there's a San Francisco bridge. That's a really pretty color of red that, that you might like be interested in any, anyway. Uh, okay. Speaking of golden gate, this is the last one up and I'm not going to le- read all of it, but Lee Kuhn's writing for CoinDesk that gold backed crypto tokens promoter investigated by Florida regulators. Why is it always Florida? A German company that claimed to raise $100 million in, 2000, in a 2018 initial coin offering or shit coin offering is being investigated by Florida financial regulators. Uh, Carrot Bars International GmbH has announced plans to follow its first token sale with another one in December of 2019, while the 2018 token sale was for its allegedly gold-backed Carrot Gold Coin, or KBC. This year, the company has been promoting a Carrot Bank coin connected to a cryptocurrency bank in Miami. The claim about a cryptocurrency bank seems to have landed the firm in hot water with the Florida Office of Financial Regulation, you think? 
Quote, Carrot Bars is not licensed as a bank with the OFR, the agency's director of communications, Katie Norris, told Condesk. The OFR has an open investigation, and so that is all the information I can share at this time. End quote. Carrot Bars International GmbH has not responded to Coindesk's request for comments. We will update the article if we hear back. The Florida investigation is not the first time Carrot Bars has come under regulatory scrutiny. The company was founded in 2011 by German entrepreneur Harold Sees, who still heads it. In 2014, long before Carrot Bar's first token sale, Quebec's financial market regulator issued a warning for investors to be cautious about the company, which offered internet-based purchases of gold to prospective, quote, affiliates. Carrot Bars offered these buyers a commission to sign up other affiliates. Sounds like a Ponzi scheme. Whatever. Regulators in the Netherlands and Nambia have issued similar public warnings with the former calling Carrot Bar's business form of multi-level marketing, and the latter going so far as to label it a pyramid scheme or a Ponzi scheme. So, okay, that's all you need to know about that. And that's all that there is for the morning roundup. Vital statistics brought to you by BitInfo Charts, mempool.space, and 1ML. Let's start with prices. Got Bitcoin chilling out at 8,182.74. Looks like the high is going to be... That is the high. Okay. Where's my low? No, that's not the high. I'm so sorry, guys. P2P, B2B has Bitcoin at $8,224. And it looks like the low is going to be over at Simex at 8,122. So there's kind of a spread. Over the last 24 hours... 335,000 Bitcoin, or uh, sorry, let me start start again. Over the last 24 hours, 335,000 transactions have been made. And per hour, about 14,000 transactions are being made on average. 822,000 BTC have been sent over the last 24 hours, with an average being sent per hour of 34,250. The average transaction value is 2.5 BTC, while the median transaction value is about... Uh, 0.025 BTC or 200 bucks US. Block time is a bit low, uh, nine minutes and 48 seconds. It looks like point a quarter of a Bitcoin is being taken in fees on a per block basis, and 32 BTC have been taken in fees overall over the last 24 hours. We've had a drop in hash rate of 1.5%, bringing us to just over 90 exahashes per second. And the last GitHub commit was sometime this morning. That's getting code into, and well, not always code. It could be, sometimes it could be grammar corrections, but there's always something going on, always something going on in Bitcoin as far as development is concerned. Ethereum is at 176, Bcash at 228, Litecoin at 57, BSV at 83, Ethereum Classic at 5.5, Dogecoin is, oh, saw a little bump, 0.0023. Has it quashed anything? Oh, the only thing is that transaction-wise, Doge is beating out Litecoin over the last 24 hours. Okay, uh, we are two blocks deep into the mempool with about 4,200 transactions being unconfirmed. I see nothing but full blocks. Let's, Let's check out on the Lightning Network. We have... 10,055 nodes, so that has increased a little bit. We have uh, 10 new nodes that have come online over the last 24 hours, representing a 42% increase on the day-over-day of nodes added per day. Nice. Uh, We have 162 brand spanking new channels chilling out there, which represents about uh, 22.7% increase on a day-over-day average. So let's see, over the last 30 days, about 4,500 new brands, banking new channels have been added to the Lightning Network. That's going to do it for Vitals. Okay, today's song was inspire, is being brought to you as an inspiration from our good friend Durgigi at D-E-R-G-I-G-I, who's written some fabulous pieces and has been on a couple of my favorite podcasts. Uh, and him and Brandon Quinton were on um, one of my favorite podcasts. Um, oh, God, why am I? I can't blank out on this. Crypto economy. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm 
I'm I'm remiss. I I'm so sorry. Yeah, Guy Swan and Crypto Economy had both Brandon Quidham and Dergigi on talking about Bitcoin as life form, you know, as a life form and some other stuff. Really good podcast. Um, I love, you know, I love the fact that they're like that this space is so interdisciplinary that you've got everyone from economist to cell biologist interested in this thing. And we're all seeing different aspects of this brand new life form. Uh, as the years go by, it will be written down in, in the annals of academia that this may have very well represented a brand new life form. Also, probably it represents a, a brand new human epoch uh, that's spelled E-P-O-C-H. Go look that one up. I actually believe it's the entrant. Bitcoin, I think, is the gate was the gateway to an epoch. I really do. Um for various reasons. Anyway, the, the, getting back to the damn song. So he puts up a he puts up a video of a song. He says, you know, current mood, Bitcoin. And, you know, it's got he, you know, puts a video up here. And then he gives the word, you know, in another tweet, he says the words. And Adam Paul Moore at Adam Paul Moore on Twitter says, What a great song. Thanks for the recommendation for the afternoon. Gigi writes back, and this is how I even know about this thing. Channeled my inner at B-E-N-D-7-7 for that one. Well, that's me. <laughs> hey, I got mentioned by the GG. No, it's not all that, you know, it, we're still we're still all really small, but we're all becoming really good friends. We all need to grow the pie so that we all get famous, right? Okay. Anyway, um, the whole thing is, is that Adam, Adam writes back, and this is sort of what I started thinking about, or when I started thinking about the particular song, he says, I think I could go for a Bitcoin 90s alternative music podcast episode. Well, Adam and Gigi, yeah, that's going to happen with Stone Temple Pilots.
Okay, today's Daily Train Wrecked is brought to you and to me by at Rory Highside. That's at R-O-R-Y-H-I-G-H-S-I-D-E, Rory Highside. Thanks, Rory, for this. He says, Grayscale creates a BCH trust and surprise, surprise, the narrative flips. A couple of months ago, Wall Street bad, banks bad, evil men taking over Bitcoin, insert Bilderberg conspiracies here. Now, oh my God, they like us. They really like us. What's Rory talking about? Well, he's got a screen grab from, uh, it's this Grayscale's new report on Bitcoin Cash. And it's this, their summary of that report, which reads, and there, he, Rory's highlighted the, the one, you know, basically half of it. But um, let, let's just read the, the first paragraph of the summary, half of which is highlighted by Rory. Says summary: Bitcoin Cash is one of the most prominent hard forks of Bitcoin to have gained traction in the digital currency ecosystem. Though its existence is rooted in the intense technical and philosophical debate around Bitcoin scalability, it stands on its own today as one of the largest digital currency networks by market cap. Over the last two years, Bitcoin Cash has shown continued resilience in the face of adversity, making it difficult for investors to ignore, and proving that it can coexist alongside. Bitcoin. That is such a load of crap. I mean, anything can co. My God, people, there's there's six thousand shit coins that are still alive somehow. They all coexist alongside Bitcoin. That doesn't mean a thing. Hell, my dog coexists along Bitcoin alongside Bitcoin. There's a, my computer sitting right, right here in front of me. It exists alongside Bitcoin. This Barry, you've, and this is Barry Silbert. <clears throat> I mean, Barry Silbert is, is one of these guys that he, sometimes he does things that is like, okay, thank you. That makes sense. Like the whole drop gold commercial was great. It was awesome. I don't know if anybody actually dropped their gold because of it, but at least it, you know, told them about Bitcoin. They and they made no foray into Bcash or God forbid that that wasteland that is BSV. This is just I hate it when people like Barry, they do one thing well and then they turn right around and show you their ass. And this is just Barry showing his ass. He knows better. This is this is just a garbage coin with a garbage existence for garbage reasons. And it's become more than, you know, I've heard a lot lately about Roger Ver going into these restaurants and he's always, he's always tweeting out now. I bought another hamburger using B cash. I bought another lunch using B cash. And then there's been like a couple of podcasts that I've listened to and I won't mention any names, but one of the people that have, has known Roger for a long time said, I was with him back in the early days when we would go around to restaurants and he would just pester, pester beyond all comprehension of the word, the, the owner or manager to take Bitcoin. And then they finally would and nobody used it. So they took it down, but he would always mark it in the win column. And he, and that was way back in the day. That was before I got into it. I mean, Roger's been around a hell of a lot longer than most of us. I mean, we got to give him that. That's just, that's just God's honest fact right there. But still, apparently he's just turning it. And I saw a tweet the other day. It says something, something about that. He's just now the star of a reality TV food show where he goes around and pesters people to take his shitty money. And this is just, it's, it's like, He's doing the same thing back then that he's, or the same thing now that he's already done before. It's like he, there's no other way out for him except restaurants. Apparently it's only restaurants. Maybe he just doesn't give a shit about clothes. I don't know. Maybe he does, but he has, I have yet to see him talk, you know, as much about going and buying a tie as he does about going and getting food. It's just, it's kind of silly in, in either event. Your smoldering pile is chilling out over in the corner and you can feast on that son of a bitch at any time you like. Terrible Joke Corner brought to you as always. 
Well, not always, but for the for the last few shows I've done, I've been leveraging hard at Dad Says Jokes. That that Twitter account is a must-have in in your Bitcoin feed or any feed. God forbid, especially if you're like your feed is nothing but politics, which means you're not listening to this. Uh, without without this and a huge dose of art and puppies and 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 cat accounts you're probably driving yourself crazy. So follow at dad says jokes, man. There's some great dad jokes there like this one. What do you call a wolf that has things all figured out? A werewolf. Get it? Oh, oh, a werewolf. See, by the simple juxtaposition of the space character between two words, a werewolf versus a werewolf becomes evident. So the problem with these kinds of jokes is that when you see them, they're not, when you see them it written down with your eyes and you see them, okay? Or if you're blind and you're reading Braille, you can feel them, right? Um, it's a different impact, a completely different impact than if you say it because you don't, when I read it for myself, and basically the paper is telling me the joke, I don't get as much of an impact from it as I would if somebody was telling me that joke because I'd have to ruminate on it just for a few milliseconds before I get it. And that work that you kind of have to do, as long as you don't have to work too much at it, is, in my opinion, a critical ingredient for a really good terrible joke and terrible. This is, oh my God. So we're going to go right on into the out. It's Friday, Friday, Friday. I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. Um, I am probably staring at maybe another day of rain and I am not having a problem at all with it, except for my allergies. After 200 days of sunlight, I, I need overcast. It's like the people in Seattle after 200 straight days of overcast, they're going to need to see some sun. And it is just a welcome, a welcome introduction to fall. I hope y'all's fall is going as wonderful as mine. I am really enjoying the wet ass weather, the no sun baking my ass in the sky and whatnot. Other than that, um, I, I, you know, just be aware, like, you know, Let's get back to the human nature thing. Let's let's end on that. Human nature is very fallible. It is very difficult to keep your guns trained on the same target all the time. My dad used to call it sticking to your guns. It's hard to do that, especially in if you're in anywhere close to in the face of adversity, financial or otherwise. It is very difficult for you to just wave off a shit like so, like Krusty the Clown in, a, in an episode of The Simpsons said they literally backed up a truck of cash and dumped it on my lawn, and that's why he did, you know, was, became a spokesperson for whatever. But in either event, we've seen Fam go down. Roger's gone down because his own ego paid him off. Uh, so many people have gone down the path of shit coinery, and it's like the ones that are left are rock solid, man. The ones that are left are like, that's what's left after the wind blows the chaff off. So when you see somebody just, you know, like switch their positions, it's more likely due to the environmental winds of the time than um, anything else. Because if you're light in your convictions, even the smallest wind will make you drift away. With that, if you guys can go and help me not be the pleb that I, oh no, actually I take that back. That's an insult to plebs. Um, proud pleb, but I'm a pleb with a number one, 1800 rating on hive or on, on hive one, as far as my, I don't know, reach or whatever, as far as Bitcoin. Um, if you could help me out, I don't know how, uh, I, maybe I'll ask the guys at hive, but, uh, yeah, 1800, it's kind of hoping for a little bit better score than that. You know, I'm not looking for like number four, but 1800. I don't know, man. It makes me feel like I'm falling down on my job. So I don't know. Like I said, I don't know how to do that, but I do know how to do this. If you guys can go over to iTunes and give me a five-star rating on the podcast, you know, uh, that would 
really help. I, I've seen it in action. You know, I started out with like, you know, no ratings whatsoever. And then I got one, I'm tracking, you know, tracking my listens and whatnot on SoundCloud, which has like really terrible analytics, but at least it shows me that every time I get a five-star rating, my, uh, my number go up and I want my number go up all the time. I want it to be like my own personal meme number, go up, number, go up podcast. Good number, go up. So anyway, with all that said, I would appreciate it because it's, it would cost you time to go do that. And I appreciate your time and I don't want to make light of it. So if you can do that for me, I would very much appreciate it. All that said, see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.